many individuals are having experiences they've never had before. Feelings and emotions that are rocking their world. But why? And why now? Few would disagree. The energies are drastically changing. And along with that, many are feeling a sustained sense of foreboding, sadness, and angst. Are these extreme emotions a sign that we are being called to shift our energies along with the planet's own energetic frequency? Shamanic psychotherapist and author Abby Wynn shares her own unique insight into this growing phenomenon, why it's imperative that we understand the importance of our own sacred and sovereign path, and why now it's time to get in touch with the inner core like never before. Abby, you and I just had an impromptu chat about an hour or so ago, and it took all of 30 seconds for us to get into quite the exchange, I would say, having to do with planetary energetic influences and how individuals who are particularly empathic are navigating what I would call definitely an unprecedented period in our uh, on our planet. And as I mentioned to you over the last year or two, many people have reached out to me questioning this sort of lingering sense of foreboding without any reference point whatsoever as to where it's coming from. And we know, you know, lots of things are shifting right now and have been for some time for quite a few years. But you had some very interesting things to say to me in this regard. Let's use this as a takeoff point for our conversation today. What is going on right now? quite simply. <laughs> Just a little question. <laughs> it's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me a on pleasure, your show. And a pleasure. In, in your wonderful introduction, I, I keep going back to that word navigating. And, you know, I'm saying, well, we don't have a map. And so then I'm thinking about navigating, but a thick, heavy fog has descended and we can't see where we're going. And so navigating is what we're used to doing. And I think part of the disruption, part of the upset that people are feeling is that we can't really use the old ways. We can't really see what's happening. And so what I'm experiencing is a relinquishing of the isolation as an empath and a reaching out between people to, to connect the dots for each other and basically have more of a sense of community, which is a good thing. I mean, we're looking at all the difficulties, all the struggle, but what's coming out of it is a, a deeper sense of resilience and connection between people who are similar with each other. I don't know, have you found that yourself? Absolutely, absolutely. And as a matter of fact, I feel like it's a, a bit of a deja vu because I know I just had a conversation with someone in the same regard. And this theme of community, that people are calling them tribes these days, whatever you wanna call them, this idea of uh, coming together with like-minded people, which is not new, but I think the urgency has definitely uh, shifted. Uh, so yes, agreed. Absolutely. Oh, it has. It has. And again, another another image that always comes up for me when I'm thinking about this is how the animals in the forest always run before the fire gets to their homes. And they have a sense of not knowing what's coming, but knowing it's not good and needing to get up and leave. And so, I mean, when they're running on instinct and we experience instincts because we're animals too. I mean, we're tuned in into Mother Earth and we feel the sense of foreboding, as mm. you say, of some imminent danger coming that we can't name because we don't have a clue where it is or what it is, how it affects us. And then we have that sense of urgency where we want to run away from our homes and run from the forest as well. But where do we run to? Mm. You know, and so it's it's trying to come into balance. And I think what ends up 
you know, all of that excess overwhelming energy turns into anxiety. And so, I mean, I work with a lot of people who are getting anxiety over the littlest things that would never usually cause them anxiety. And they, they're delighted, may I say, that I have been very willing and very honest. And I have gone on, you know, Facebook Lives, on video, on my emails, and I've told everyone that I'm experiencing this too. Mm -hmm. And instead of me being a spiritual teacher on a platform or a podium that nobody can reach, people are beginning to see that we're all human and that everybody experiences everything. And I'm coming on and I look really crappy and my hair is a mess. And I <laughs> look in the camera and I say, I'm having a really bad day and I'm feeling anxiety. And even just the thought of, you know, going going to the store and getting some anything is giving me anxiety and it's not meant to. And I know you guys are feeling it too. So here's mm -hmm. what we can do to clear. I think even just hearing that we're all experiencing this, that we're not going crazy, mm -hmm. gives us, you know, is it a port in a storm? What is it? It's something to hold on to, a life raft. As we go up and down and the waves of the sea is going to behave the way the sea is going to behave, but at least we can join hands and, and, and get through it together. Yeah. I think I said that to you before we, we, we started recording. You sure did. You absolutely did. And I again, I think that this is a theme that's coming up. Look, I mean, we're, we are instinctual. We're innately intuitive. And... I don't know. It seems like we've gone full circle. Uh, there was a time where community was uh, priority number one many, many years ago, particularly in the indigenous cultures. And then, we, you know, this thing we call technology that's give, given us the blessing of having this conversation today has also been this sort of uh, force, this divide, I think, between individuals and connecting. And now we're seeing that that isn't really working, maybe. And so we're coming back to instinctively knowing that we must come together. And as I said to you offline, I love technology and I love the virtual world, if you will. Uh, but it is not a replacement for being able to reach out and touch someone in person. No. What do you think no. in terms of, are, are people uh, voicing that as well, the need to be in each other's presence? Have you gotten that in your some of your clients? Uh, oh, I, I do. I do. But I think as well in my case, because I've had to move my office. So normally what I have had up to January of this year has been a beautiful, bright, spacious room of big, big windows, lots of light and people can come in and I can breathe and they can breathe. But I've had to downsize because as a result of I would call it an upgrade. Uh, you know, the, the energy changes. We're going through a, a time of evolution, I think, and that's part of the foreboding is that we're looking at our bodies going, I don't recognize my body. I don't know what it needs. I don't know how to make the pain stop. Mm. That I've, I've had to, I realized that a long drive to an office was wearing me down. It was exhausting me. Again, I mean, that's, that's similar to the anxiety about the little things, you know, and I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be that far away from my house. So I've downsized the room and then I realized that this is such a small room where I am now. It's perfect for writing. It's wonderful internet connection. You know, in fact, the internet connection here is better than anything I've ever had, even in my house. Mm -hmm. But to invite another person into the room with their energies, with what they're connecting into, takes me much longer to clear it. Interesting, yeah. Than it does when I say, I love you very much, but I'm signing out from Skype, I'm signing out from Zoom. You shut the computer down, you get outside, you get some air, and then it's, you know, you Absolutely. clear your energy, is gone. But when you're in the room with somebody, and, and I guess in a way, you know, when you're talking about community, I have this, you know, like Harry Potter, there's the muggles and then there's the wizards. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of muggles meeting, 
doesn't hurt your energy as much as meeting wizards who need help. <laughs> you know, and so when I have the empaths who are, you know, some aspect of them is desperate, some aspect of them has let in something that's not very nice and they're looking to me to help them and they come into my little room and then they leave. It's like they leave an echo of themselves. In of here, course. It takes yes. an awful lot longer for me to clear. And so out of respect for myself, I've decided I'm not going to do that to myself at the moment. But the beauty of what I do transcends space and time and can work through the internet. And, and because being a shamanic psychotherapist in Ireland, you know, I have a lot of clients in America because people in Ireland, you know, they're still trying to get used to, well, what does that mean? And what do we do? And what, you know, how does it all work together? So a lot of my clients would be outside of Ireland anyway. I do have many wonderful clients from Ireland too who feel they need to be in the room with me. Mm -hmm. And so... I say, well, you have to get over it. If you, if you want me bad enough, you can get me on the computer <laughs> for the next few months anyway until I right. figure myself out. But Good for you. I think that's important. And, you know, I've talked to other people that are in uh, similar lines of work, uh, different forms of therapy, and I will invariably ask them, how is it? I know We know that we are... Our energies are connected uh, by default anyway. And when we are in the midst of an individual, that, that energy signature is is there. And I'm always concerned for individuals, even those that do Reiki, who are working on someone that may be ill physically, mentally, or psychologically, whatever their stuff is. How, what are the, um, I don't want to say boundaries, but what are the tools or the things that you do <laughs> to keep yourself clear from penetrating particularly as an empath yourself well I, I love how you said even those who do reiki because i would have said especially those mm, mm -hmm. who do reiki because you know in this pc world it's very difficult to know what you're allowed to say but i'm sure people <laughs> have heard of the game of chinese whispers where everybody's lined up in a line and somebody says something and whispers it into the person next to them who whispers it to the person next to them and you have a, a line of about 20 30 40 people what you hear at the other end of the line is very different to what right. was originally whispered into the first person. And that's what Reiki is to me. Nobody, it's very rare to find somebody who really understands what it is. Hmm. It's very rare that a teacher will teach and the class will, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to explain this, Alexis, because many people who are healers just wake up and re remember that they're already healers. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so a lot of these workshops are triggers to set something in motion in the energy and the awareness and the psychology of somebody to say, oh, yes, I know what this is and I got to do it and I got to do it. And the biggest mistake that people doing Reiki would do would be to open to the energy, but they bring their own life force energy in well, sure. yeah. and then they feed their life force energy into somebody else and it's their life force energy that they're using as the healing energy and not unconditional love or or actual reiki energy itself that's interesting so, hmm. yeah and so their emotional issues so i would get lots of people who would come to me who've had a reiki session and never felt quite right afterwards and need to release that energy from their practitioner <laughs> and hmm. reclaim their own energy. So there's a lot of leaking and spillage going on. And so by having it very clear in your mind, the framework of how we are put together really helps when it comes to clearing, which is what your question was, how do you keep yourself clear? So to see yourself as a container, and then you have to check the integrity of the container 
and is you know or did someone come and punch a hole in it I mean for years and years I love him so much but my brother used to take my energy and he used to do what I would call a smash and grab Mm-hmm. So I would I wouldn't even know he'd come in from behind and he'd smash into my container and he'd grab as much energy as he could, mm-hmm. you know. And at one point I found like a, a hose taking from me. So you'd have to check the integrity of your container as the empath that you are, and then you must fill yourself up with yourself, which is your own life force energy, and then you can bring through the healing energy. So to always be connecting in to how you see yourself, how you're organized, so that when you do spend time with somebody. Who, who, who might change or, or, or add or, I, you know, it's difficult to say because nobody does this deliberately. But if you feel like you need to clean your energy when you're very familiar with how you're, you're organized, it's easier to do it. I think the challenge, however, <clears throat> Abby, we're both kind of clearing our throats here, <laughs> which mm-hmm. is interesting. The challenge in, in hearing what you're saying, I agree completely. And yet I think the conundrum is that there are so many people who don't know themselves and wouldn't recognize what is theirs versus somebody that's sort of bum rushed them, if you will. Uh, Do you know what I mean? So there's, perhaps there's a step that comes before that of really, and I always love this very, very simple verse from the Bible, know thyself. And I don't know that it would be uttered if that has been a problem historically, that we don't really know ourselves to recognize ourselves. What do you think about that? Oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. And, um, you know, even with the idea of you as a container, you know, you're not even present in mm-hmm. your life. You're not present in your body. You're open and vulnerable to anybody and anything taking from you. To be whole, you know, to know who you are and to give yourself that space, to be in your wholeness here in this present moment in time, not stuck past, you know, in the past where there was a trauma or something happened or not stuck in the future where there's some kind of event that's going on, but to bring your energy here, I think is the key. And then to be able to be at peace with who you are, accept who you are, all of the emotions that you're carrying, all of the things that happen to you. So you can be settled and in stillness here, and then you get to know yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there's so many people that are running away from themselves. They Absolutely. They don't want to do that. Right. Right. And, you know, so then exactly what you just said, how do you know what's yours and what's not yours? And when you say, oh, I feel it like somebody slimed me, mm-hmm. it, it could actually just be eliciting slime that's already there, you know, so yeah. or attracting that from the outside, which you have a piece of on the inside. In other words, are we mirrors for one another? This is a concept that I, I tend to resonate with that whatever we attract into our lives that appears to be outside is really just a reflection of some aspect of us on the inside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, getting angry at that other person because Mm. they've shown you a piece of you that you didn't really want to see. Yeah, Mm. I get that a lot. (laughs) Do you really feel that that that's a good uh, takeoff point? Do you that concept is a pretty heavy one. And I I, throughout my own research and and my reading throughout many years, that concept has come up a lot that we are in, in fact, everything that we confront that we considered to be on the outside of us is without question, uh, reflecting an aspect of, of us on the inside. Do you believe that that is the case without any exception? It's an interesting one. And I think it's part of the evolution that we're going through at the moment where we realize that you cannot sit and meditate and the earth will heal itself because you've wished mm-hmm. that it will heal itself. And so if you clean up you on the inside, the earth will clean up itself 
That's okay. the question about, you know, the new, the new wave of spiritual activism, which is something I feel is in motion and is growing and changing and evolving. And I could not say I know unequivocally this is the answer. That's the answer. In fact, I'm finding it very interesting to see how things are going to listening to different people's take on what it means. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a client who became completely um, accredited, qualified as an acupuncturist, and she sat in hired space waiting for the clients to come and meditating and clearing and being the best that she could be, but nobody came because she didn't go out there and give her business card. She didn't make a website. She didn't tell the world that she was here. Mm-hmm. So it's the fine line between what's inside of you and what action you need to take. And it's also the saying of Freud, you know, sometimes a cigar is a cigar. Somebody can be an angry person who can be in your face because you just happen to be there. And it doesn't mean that you actually have anger within you in that moment. You have the capacity for anger. And if you were put into an environment with extreme um anything that was extreme to set you off, you would have the capacity to be as angry as maybe that person was. But maybe in that moment, you're not angry because you're in balance and they're not in balance. Mm -hmm. So it's a difficult question. It is. Yeah. And it's a very philosophical one, of course, but it's, it's uh, all of it requires reflection and contemplation, which is my favorite pastime. (laughs) (laughs) It does. But then you've got the the Vedanta, which says, you know, you are not the doer of any deed. The deed is done through you. uh, And you go, well, do, do we have free will anyway? That's another big question that I pondered. I know, but what I think is the scariest thing about the times that we're in now, which is kind of bringing us back to the subject that that you've opened with, is that if you could imagine that we've lived and we've lived and we've done the cycle over and over again, and we're dancing the dance, excuse me, (coughs) I think we must be clearing something between us because my throat keeps clearing. Isn't that something? Yeah. But you know when you get those moments of deja vu, and it's like, I've done this before, I know what I'm doing. I think we're stepping into a territory where we don't, know what we're doing because we haven't done this before it's as if we've passed some test and we've been given the okay to go on to the next level if we're speaking computer games or anything like that but we've never played this level before we don't know what to expect we don't know what's here and i think you go back to that sense of foreboding Mm -hmm. is because we don't have a map we're trying to navigate something that we don't have a map for you know, we're not sure if the skills that we have are the ones that are needed. Mm-hmm. And we're struggling with letting go of the old ways, but because we don't know the new ways, and yet we can't see what's right in front of us. Right. So it, 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 it's, yeah. Well, you said something when you bring up the map, I can't help but think of our mutual colleague and friend, Neil Kramer, which is how I think we got in touch initially. <laughs> yes. Something that, no, you know, uh, Neil is so articulate and he, he has a way of saying things that just stick with you. And this one simple thing that I remember he said years ago, he said, now let's assume there is a map, but he says the map is not the terrain. So yes. even if we think we have a map, that isn't really... Uh, that should not be the, the what do you want to say the the final document on how you how you how you navigate. Uh, it's because it's not the terrain. It's simply just a it's a way of of um, not even giving us direction. I, I don't know what purpose it serves, but you're saying there's no map at all. So gosh, people must be really really <laughs> really confused. Let's do this. I want to because because we're going to have uh, somewhat of an abbreviated version uh, of our show today. Um, so I want to get to a few things. We talked about something called planetary empaths. And I know that you had said that you hadn't heard 
that before, nor had I. This is some, somewhat of a new term that uh, that I picked up about a year ago. Planetary empaths, those who were particularly plugged in to planetary energy, along with being plugged into the collective of humanity. Were you able to dig up anything on if that term had been used before? Now, I found this through a particular colleague of mine who has uh, individuals that follow her blog. They call themselves planetary empaths. How, how would you define that just by virtue of the name? Planetary versus what? Non-planetary. Um, well, I mean, it's it's reminding me of shamanism, actually, and okay. how shamanism is the rawness of connection between human to, to to the energy that's right in front of you. And let's say some of the shamans are shamans of the land, and they specialize with geopathic stress, and they speak mm. to nature, and nature speaks to to them, and they can tell you what's going on. But if you give them a person who's having trouble. They might not be able to help that person because they connect directly to earth. And it could be that, you know, many, many empaths connect into people, but there are a few empaths who are connected into earth and are like the news readers of what's going on for earth as opposed to being there for the person in front so that you can relate. So maybe as we're talking about maps and terrain, interestingly, the, pla the planetary empath can read what's coming up in the next terrain and where we don't have a map, we have to figure out, okay, well, well, well with, to become the most empowered you that you can be, to bring your energy into this moment now and have that container that's keeping it here so that you have all of your resources with you so that you can connect into these planetary guys and say, okay, well, this is happening next and this is happening next. So what do I need to do for myself so I get through this? And then how can I be more available to serve and to do good deeds and to help other people get this through this too but keeping it humble not saying i know how to do this and right I think that's what's amazing about now is that people can't get away with that anymore mm -hmm. you know i have i have a 16 year old boy and he's going into a year of, of school where they don't have a set coursework it's very interesting because it kind of maps to where we're going to now so he would have a structure and curriculum up to this year but this year he has no particular curriculum. His his next lot of curriculum starts next year. So it's very much up to the school to provide what things to do to keep them busy as they grow into the people they're becoming. Mm -hmm. And there's a list, list of characteristics of the current modern day 16-year-olds out there in the world right now. And one of the values, one of the classifications is that they can spot you if you're telling lies yeah. a mile away, that they, they can see authenticity from inauthenticity so quickly that you can't get away with anything. And it's keeping the teachers on the toes, which is great, but you can see that ripple through the whole collective and that, you know, all these people who are t saying things that, that aren't, there's no substance behind them. They're being seen now. Mm -hmm. So where we don't have a map, we can come up in our wholeness. I mean, it's like me saying I'm having a bad day. I'm not hiding it. You know, and people go, okay, well, we're all human. We're in this together. And it brings us back to that sense of community to say, well, what can we do to support each other? Absolutely. That is fascinating that you're that you're bringing that up in terms of the uh, the younger ones now. It's obviously not um, unfamiliar to those of us that are looking into the idea of the new human. These these individuals that are coming to the planet right now, completely transparent. They, they see you as transparent and they are transparent. They can't help but be that way. They're more intuitive. Sure, yeah. Look at Greta Thunberg. 
I mean, she's lecturing governments and saying you should be scared of climate change and I can't change it, but you have to do it. You have to make it important because this is this is the world that we're living. You're leaving this legacy for me to clean up and you're the guys who made the mess. I mean, that is just amazing. I'm sorry. You know, the climate. I'm sorry. Who was it? You have Greta Thunberg is um, she's a child. She's I think she is also 16 and she's been doing climate change strikes in her school which have rippled across the world. They're in, in, in all across Europe. All the schools went on strike. None of, the, none of the students went to school. They're demanding that the governments listen to what needs to be done for climate change and make those changes because the children are the ones who are going to inherit the world next and they don't want it in the state that it's in. I'm afraid I haven't heard, although the, the, the scenario sounds familiar to me, I don't know that I've heard her name oh, specifically. Oh, She's on the cover of Time magazine right now, okay. and she's just phenomenal. I mean, you talk about the children. The children are not taking any <laughs> rubbish from anyone. Right. Anymore. No, this is true. This is well. Th- this is fantastic information because, again, when you when you juxtapose, and you're getting this more from official sources with some individuals that are doing work. I don't know if you're familiar with Mary Rodwell, who works a lot with uh, individuals. She's a hypnotherapist who works with individuals who believe themselves to be in contact with forms of non-human intelligence, a a subject of which I cover a lot on the show. But also, uh, she's working with lots of children, uh, perhaps 16, maybe a little older, a lot younger, in fact. And she's basically drawing the same profile. What, What how she's interacting with these individuals, she's getting the same sort of thing. She's talking about the same, same thing, that these are individuals that you you can't fool them, they're not going to stand for any crap. Uh, you know, they're they're just they're on their own, and uh, they have no intention of, uh, you know, kowtowing to the system that exists right now. So that's oh, absolutely important. Absolutely. I mean, I have two little ones and two teenagers. I've got four children, and so trying to keep on top of, mm. you know, all of the information that's coming in in my life for me, and then you know, looking at them and seeing, oh my gosh, well, that's four more people's worth of information I can't keep up with everything so you have to have the real conversations earlier you know and say okay what's going because I can't keep track of everything and I'm not going to put net nannies on all of their tablets and games and things because Mm -hmm. it's you know I have to trust them a level of trust I say to my clients you know when your four-year-old comes to you in tears because their Jenga tower fell down for that four-year-old, the most important thing in his world right now is that his Jenga tower fell down. And if you think it's, it's a load of crap and don't listen to him and don't give him the attention that he needs now, then why would he come to you when he's 16 and there's something serious going on? Because then right. it's, it's got the same level of importance for him at that age as it does when he's four with his Jenga tower. So it's about being present. And again, when you're not here, when you're running away from your own stuff, when you can't sit still with yourself, you can't sit still with the children, you can't sit still with anyone, Mm -hmm. makes it harder to to, to navigate, to be, to to just be in the world. Absolutely. I'd like to stay on the idea of the younger ones, if you will, for a time, because I think, honestly, in many cases, they are our teachers. Uh, Let's talk about their level of empathy. Now, based on what you just said, Abby, you would automatically assume that these kids are uh, naturally sensitive and empathic. But what what is the sense that you're getting that these these sorts of individuals, their level of sensitivity uh, and how they're dealing with it, most importantly? It's very interesting because I get a lot of parents coming to me 
I'm not a specialist in children. I don't, you know, I would heal a child through its parent because the parent has the permission for the child. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when there's difficult children in the house or there's mood swings and behavioral issues, sometimes I suggest to the parents, let's have a, a, you know, a session together where I can help you manage your child. Because when the parent is at peace, it, they ripple peace through the household and then the child no is more likely mm -hmm. to be at peace. So what I've discovered over the years and even from my own is that the children who are coming through now are waking up quicker to the truth of who they are. They're much more talented and they can be very overwhelmed by the amount of information that's available in the world. So, you know, whereas you might not find your gifts and talents till you're in your 20s and 30s, maybe in the generation before us, the generation that's coming in now you know they're doing everything now you know you can see on youtube i'm sure there's, there's little children on there playing <laughs> mozart and beethoven Absolutely. and composing and i've seen it in my own two girls when they're doing singing and dancing and writing their songs and they're doing six or seven things but they're doing them really well and they're very interested in them so mm -hmm. you've got those types of children but then you've also got the ones that are sitting with all of the information and they're too overwhelmed and they don't know what to do with it mm -hmm. you know it's it's very apparent that, you know, some of them are coming in. It's like they're from another planet and they've never been here before and they don't know what to do with it. Well, that may be the case. But that, in all seriousness, Abby, that is part of the discussion, really zooming out. And I know to, to some that may seem out of this world, <laughs> pun intended, and to others, this oh, is what these myself. children are saying, that they're not from here. I have myself, here. my fourth, my, my, my youngest girl, it's like it's her first lifetime here and she's just here to observe and it's, but... You know, I, I, I work with angels, I work with energies, and I just said, oh, my gosh, she's going to end up getting really hurt if she if she's so fragile and soft and kind and likes kittens and fluffy mm. bunnies. Can somebody please give her a download so, you know, so that she's a bit stronger in herself and she won't take any crap? And it came down almost straight away. It really? It was just bizarre. Yeah. And I see her out there trying things and meeting people and saying no to things. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that she can do that. You know, and I'm seeing it rippling across all of the children. And it's having an effect. I mean, the children are coming in and healing us as well. Yes. And it's all that's it's part of the acceleration because they need us to be something for them. You for know, them. they've chosen us. Mm -hmm. You know, they choose their parents. And so I I actually had a session with a woman who couldn't get pregnant. Now she was she wasn't doing fertility treatment, but she was about to do fertility treatment, and she wanted me to do a spiritual healing session with her to find out what's in the way of me being able to get pregnant. So we did. Um, it was almost like we went to the Akashic Records for her, and we looked at her contract and the contract that she was going to be signing with her child, her her, her as yet unborn child. So I don't know if everyone can follow this because it's all lots of different spiritual concepts coming in, but. I visualized that we were in a room a little bit like a solicitor's office with a big desk and here's the contract and there's the baby is on one side of the desk okay, <laughs> and we're on the other side of the desk and there's angels around us and we say to the baby why aren't you coming in and then we heard this huge it was like a bunch of people having an argument and we turned around and behind us were all of her ancestors and the ancestors of the baby's father and they were all fighting and the baby's you know, turn, looks back at us, I can't come in when there's so much disruption and so much difficulty going on in the family. And, and, you know, this needs to be sorted out before I come down. And that's why I'm not coming down. 
So it. we did a healing for the ancestors. And we did, you know, and some of them were ready to go and, uh, you know, back to the light and come back and be reborn again. And we did some clearing and some healing. And she got pregnant within two or three months of our session without needing the treatment. <laughs> I'm not so surprised. you never know what the things yeah. are that are going on. Right. You know? Well, this so. is why your work is just so important and work like it. I think that's amazing. We still, e even the best of us, sometimes we have a hard time wrapping our arms around the idea that this is how reality works, that there is another level invisible to the normal eye, but is really, and I always say, not an epiphenomenon of reality, but really the infrastructure of how reality works. And if we agree to address that and work within that framework, that which we call the invisible beyond the five senses, look what we can do. Isn't that, I love that example. I love that. Give us another one. <laughs> okay, it's story time now. I have a feeling well, you've got so many. I find it very difficult to to, to think of, of of one or two. That's a great example. Really, hmm. really is. You know, like th th there was somebody I was working with recently who, you know, had never been able to heal. Let's say she had a very bad experience with a healer, and she, you know, so I see that you have to work with both aspects. You have to work with the energetic. So I'd be checking her integrity energetically. So back to that container again. And discovering her container was okay, but it was empty. There was none of her spiritual essence was in there. So then having to go to all the different events and different timelines of her life, you know, she got a fright here. She, she, she'd had abuse in her life. So going, and, and you know, with psychotherapy, they want you to relive the experience. And I say, you don't have to do that. So she would stay here and I would go back and bring the energy back here until we had a bit more energy. But there was something missing. So we ended up going to a past life. This was fascinating. Are you still there? The, 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 I'm here. I, you're there. That's great. Here. What was really interesting was I sit with, with, with the person on the other, you know, the other end of the online session. And I ask, it's like I'm asking spirit, what do we need? There's a piece missing. It's a past life. We have to go. So for one particular past life, she wasn't allowed to come with me. And I ended up in a marketplace. It was like somewhere like Cairo or Egypt but it wasn't now, it was like, I don't know, way back maybe the very first few markets and I couldn't find her. And then I realized that she had been beheaded and buried alive. No, she, she was buried alive underneath one of the marketplace dolls. So we had to do a healing there and bring that energy back for her. And in another lifetime, she had been beheaded. Oh. And so we were able to retrieve the energy from there. And then in another lifetime, and you couldn't make this up, Alexis. In another lifetime, she was the executioner. Mm -hmm. And she was beheading other people. What's the common thread with beheading? And the common thread with all of that was that she couldn't find her voice in this lifetime. And she wasn't able to be present in the moment. And that she never was able to get into her body. There was like a severing between, you know, the mind and the body, the throat. And so as soon as we brought those pieces back healed from those other, the other dimensions, other lifetimes, that she was able to solidify and the emotion was just phenomenal and, and, and to feel whole again. You know, so when I say that you're the container, you need to bring your energy in. You, you, you have, some people, when they're born here, they, they, they're not born with all of the life essence that they have access mm -hmm. to. And their job here is to, to heal all of those things across time and space which is why I love what I do because it's exciting. It's, it's, it's magical. I never get bored. I, how can you? <laughs> how can you? And you never know how these things are going to play out. You know, I want to write a book where I'm writing in the magic of the healing sessions. And I think, okay, to do my clients, 
justice. I'm going to do it from a magical perspective where I'm not talking about their specific story. So I'm going to write it like fiction. And I'm sitting there going, where do I start and what do I do? I don't have any ideas. But then when I step into a session, all of this unfolds as it will. And I'm, I'm in Cairo, I'm in Egypt. Um, I'm, 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 and do you know, actually the- feel that you're there? I mean, t- tell us a little bit about the experience. It sounds like you do a bit of traveling on behalf of your yes, clients. Yes, that's exactly what I Yeah, do, which I get. What, t- tell us what that's like in terms of the, the sensation that you have. Do you really feel that you are transported, uh, obviously non-physically, I would imagine, obviously, then again. It's the astral body. And what's ah. interesting is is the timing is that over the last year, I've been able to do it quicker. It's been more lucid. It's been more easily accessible to me. Mm-hmm. So I feel that there is a cohort or a suite of people who are, experiencing all of you know all the ascension symptoms and you know all that stuff we did it first so that we could be here to help other people do it now mm-hmm. and so i'm feeling that all of the upset and all the turmoil that we're all going through you know you get really get shaken up so that it's changed how i'm wired so i can do it faster quicker easier mm-hmm. and i you know i'm i'm sometimes occasionally you get clients who are also able to do that so the most magical times of all is when we would go, let's say, sticking with the idea of the of the bazaar in the, in Egypt, where they can see it and I can see it too. Mm-hmm. And I say something like, "And someone's coming with a gift for you," and she goes, "Oh, it's a lotus flower and it's purple." And I go, "And, and that's exactly what I saw as well." Mm-hmm. You know, Amazing. so sometimes you can smell it, sometimes you can feel it, you can you can imagine it because the more I step out of the way. I always see it like like um, the cinema screen with the curtains, you know, like the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. The curtains open is me stepping out of the way, my ego, my attachment, yes. my need to get it right. You know, I'm just a screen. I'm just this open, clear space. I have no agenda. And that's because I've done my inner work. I have done my inner work, and so many healers haven't. So when they open those curtains and there's a cinema screen, it's never blank. Mm-hmm. It's their stuff up there. And they get confused between what's the client's stuff and what's their stuff. Absolutely. Usually yeah. attracting in a client that has the same stuff. Whereas for me, I'm clear. I'm, I'm, I'm quite rare in that. I'm most, you know, I'm clear. And yes, there's going to be day-to-day stuff that makes me unclear. But it's surface-level stuff and it's stuff we're all going through. But you open the curtains, you step away, and you go into their energy. And it takes you where it will. It's like a magic carpet ride into all these different places. And you get those things and you bring it back. And I don't think we were able to do it as efficiently, as quickly, as clearly as we can do it now. I mean, you see not, you know, those movies... There's one very famous one with Nick Nolte where he has an apprentice and, and, and it's like he has to stand in the river for 30 days and not eat anything and go into this vision quest and it takes so long to break the walls down and the barriers down and the veils come down and everything. You have to go through so much pain whereas right now it just comes down because you set your intention for it to come down. Mm. This idea of things happening so so much quicker, setting an intention and having it uh, manifest in some way, shape, or form, we've heard a lot about. I've had this conversation with Penny Pierce uh, over the years. Oh, I've read her book. I love her. Isn't book. she phenomenal? Oh, she's fabulous. She's yeah. lovely, and I've I've asked her and others. It it almost seems as if we're living in this, and I, we may have talked about this offline a little bit somewhat of a paradox or even a, I don't know if it would be a dichotomy where on the one hand, it seems that things are speeding up, including uh, having our intentions manifest. On the other hand, 
at the same time, this would be a paradox, things seem to be moving at a snail's pace. (laughs) Have you heard that from other people as well? So this would be the paradox that, you know, they're both kind of there. And if if that's the case, what would we need to transition from one to the other? Two-part question. I experience this all the time. Totally experience it. I can't believe my my, my little baby is 18 years old now. You know, but when I was a kid, summers lasted forever, and and my children are now saying, "Geez, the summer went by so quickly. I can't believe we're back to school again. They're going to kill me because they're go- they're, they're just about to hit their summer holidays now, and it's going to be <laughs> over." But April, for some reason, seemed to drag on for two years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so so I wonder, you know, as we're learning how to to go back to your word, navigate the way things are, is it what we pay attention to? Is it you know, is is that what persists the longest Mm -hmm. we're wired as as the primitive human beings are wired for survival and you know to make sure that we're safe that we keep going over the bad stuff and we keep getting locked into the danger as opposed to taking the time to look for the good things and there are just as many actually there's more there's more good things happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And we just don't know about them because they're boring to the people who report the news. That's right. You're absolutely right. And are we reminded of that each and every day? You know, they every don't want to day know the... that, that some lady was saved by right. you know by being hit from a bus or that a, a class graduated with all, all honors or even that no you know, that nobody killed themselves this year in, in some particular school. Right. You know, they don't they're not interested in that. But when somebody does something bad, then wham, that's the magnet. That's where all of everything is looking at this bad thing. And mm-hmm. it might not even be a big thing that's bad. It's and it's in the news and all the time and We have to start, you know, that's where that word sovereignty comes in. We haven't mentioned that word yet. Love it. My favorite word. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think a lot of people really understand what it means. Well, not the people that I'm working with anyway. And I love how you have a different cohort of people to me because it means we have a wealth of information to draw from. Between the two of us, we have huge population of people all doing similar work that, that we haven't heard. But the sovereignty is owning yourself and your choices and your responsibility it's bringing your energy back into that container that is you and keeping it in you know the integrity of it high mm-hmm. and, and being aware of all of your interactions and everything that you do and you know people would say you know your body's your temple treat your body well but they don't actually really understand what that means mm-hmm. like but your energy is also sacred and we're in a world now where they they've lost the meaning of honor They've lost the meaning of sacredness. Yes. You know, the, the sacred moments are put on video on YouTube and get 10 million views are no longer sacred. You know, and, and it's like when I was starting off as an author, they wanted to hear my story and I had a panic attack. You hmm. know, I had to actually go, I sat down with my aunt. My aunt is in legal and she's a very good, strong head on her. And I said to her, how do I do this? Because they didn't want to sell the book, they wanted to sell me. And they could have a wonderful dramatic, you know, horrendous story of all the things that ever happened to Abby Wynn when she was growing up. I don't want to do that because my family is sacred. Mm-hmm, that's the right. relationships that I have with them <sighs> are sacred. And I've done so much work on them and it's mine and it's not for the taking. And I actually went on national radio here in Ireland. I said that and I got about three or four phone calls from people who said that by me saying that, it's given them permission to say it too. Well, good. That we mm. don't have to give everything away. And it's about... 
because because cause you become vulnerable when you give away that and you know knowing you know and as neil would say mm-hmm. you know the, there's power in not sharing everything most absolutely well listen th- this this could be a segue <laughs> for you know what a whole nother show because as you're tell- telling me all of this as i'm taking all of this and I'm, I'm seeing images flash in front of me uh we won't mention any names but certain social media outlets <laughs> the world has become just that where people are habituated to putting every aspect of their lives to what they're eating to when they're traveling and beyond to when they're having a breakdown to publicize well you know what's even now- worse than that you know because we talked about the children already when they make the, the the facebook um profile for the baby that's not even born yet and put the scans up and yeah. there's the baby is the first speed you know and then they they have the gall to say to their child i did this for you yeah so that yeah. you would have a record of your life without the permission of that without individual. the permission you're absolutely right yeah there's it's something yeah. terrible there's something to be said for that and again this brings up the dichotomy that we're living in where on the one we're having a conversation about younger people coming in far more wise far more uh, sensitive and, and psychically inclined uh we were talking about adults that have been here for quite some time that are having uh instantaneous wake-ups and are are uh, um leading their lives in, in, in different ways because of it. And dichotomously, we're talking about individuals that are airing everything that they possibly can and have lost all semblance of sacred uh, honor and sovereignty. And by the way, sovereignty is perhaps one of my favorite words ever. In fact, I wrote a chapter. <laughs> I wrote a chapter called Spiritual Sovereignty in my book, uh, Conscious Musing. So we do need to take a look at that. Listen, my dear... As I'm looking at the clock, tick tock, tick tock, we're going to have you oh back. You know, we're going to have you back. We've got this, this is just so much. We just touched on. Let me ask you this. If you, we started out this conversation talking about this sense on the part of many empathic, planetary empaths, whatever you call yourself, this sense of foreboding. What advice might you give to them in the interim until we have you back or until they reach out to you? Well, they're very welcome to reach out. (laughs) Yes, we'll make sure to have a link. But what would you ask them or or suggest to them that they can do to to navigate? That's one of the key words we've used today, this terrain. don't, Don't be in isolation. Definitely don't be in isolation. And for all of its flaws, social media can bring like minded people together. So if you're going on to social media with the intention of discovering all the horrendous news, you know, don't do that. But you can go on to social media with the intention to find like-minded people who are experiencing what you're experiencing if you don't have anybody around you that's also experiencing that. So you mm-hmm. can start to make those relationships and get the validation. Oh, my gosh, yes, that's happening for me as well. And mm-hmm. what about this? And what about that? And, you know, and, and, and it's really important to share these synchronicities, to share absolutely the, 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 these aspects, but also... What I would say to everyone is, and, and, and if you're listening right now, I've talked many times already about it, in this, this conversation about yourself as a container. Get in touch with the edges of your container and make sure that they are not being drawn into stuff that isn't you. You're not here to save the world. I mean, we used to be thinking that. We used to say, oh, we have to say, we're here to be high integrity, to be bright and shining. 
to shine our light out and to remind other people that they can do it too. And if you pull yourself back into yourself and um, becomes, you know, more empowered, more present and not running away. You said this too, Alexis, facing the fear. Don't be running from face it and do your work. Right. Absolutely. That's the most, the most you can do. And, you know, some people are built to go to Africa and make latrines and save starving children. Other people, you know, stay home and plant a rose bush. Mm-hmm. You know, you do what you need to do for you. Right. And if all you can do is plant that rose bush, then you show up to that rose bush every day. You give it food. You tell it how beautiful it is. You watch the flowers and you enjoy them and you be here. I love them. it. And that, that's what you do. I love because it. Because someone else is going to see that rose bush and be inspired and remember that there's beauty in the world as well as all of this craziness. And that we can take time out for beauty. One one of my favorite, <clears throat> excuse me, affirmations that I I, I I use affirmations a lot because I find them as medicine. And one of them is, if you want more beauty in your life, deliberately fill your life with beauty. No one's gonna just you know give it to you. You have to make the first move. So plant those flowers and spray the perfume that you like. And you know if you wear something that makes you feel good and mm-hmm. start being in your life. That's what I'd say. Beautiful. Great advice. Great advice to end on. Let's take that in, journeyers. Abby, when give us your give us your website. Where can people go to find out more about you? <clears throat> well, you can look me up, Abby Wynn. Uh, I'll probably come up first on Google in a search of me, but my website is one of those hyphens in it. So it's abby-win.com or my new book is Heal Your Inner Wounds and I also have healyourinnerwounds.com, which is much easier to find Great. than abby-win.com. So. Okay. Oh, that's not too hard. I, I was able to find it, but you know what? I think I Googled you and it popped right up. So. <laughs> well, that's perfect. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm on Instagram. I'm on I Facebook. know you are. You're ubiquitous. You're bilocating, girl. <laughs> Abby, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. And I want to thank you for all you're doing to remind, I want to stress, remind us that true healing is not only possible, it is imperative. And it's imperative that we truly realize that we have the capacity to heal ourselves. And I know you're reminding us of that all the time, now more than ever. So thank you, my dear. I appreciate it. And thank you so much. It was great fun to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. And we'll do it again. Listen, before I let you all go, I want to remind the journeyers out there, if you enjoyed this episode, and particularly if you know someone that could benefit from hearing what Abby had to say, I urge you to like and share this content with your circle of friends and family. It's important. We can't hear these words enough. So please share and let's spread the word. And of course, if you like Higher Journeys, I invite you to subscribe to our channel for brand new episodes each and every week. Again, Ms. Wynn, thank you, my dear. Don't hang up. I want to have a proper goodbye once we say so long to the journeyers. (laughs) And in the meantime, journeyers, I will talk to you soon. Take care now.